Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, finally in the studio, dusted the snow off our backs, and let's talk sports. So Spags has been getting some hell for the call, the blitz on that third and 27 against Cincinnati. I mean, really, in, 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 in a million other variations of that play, it probably would have worked. If you look how Ward covered the play and how close his hand was to, I mean, he was right on the money. As close, it's just it, it's just one of those things in sports. Things like this happen all the time. Well, you can look at it a couple of ways, Mike. You can look at it that way, which is how a fan would look at it. Or you can ask the defensive coach, Spagnolo for, for some kind of a reason why he decided to blitz on a third and 27. Is that a blitzing situation? Well, in his case, his defense was, yes, we decided to because we were afraid if we backed off, then he's going to, he being Burrow, is going to just dump a short pass over the middle and get their team in field goal range. And uh, they probably, although it would have been a long field goal, probably would have been able to connect and they would have had the lead. And who knows what might have happened. We thought, well, if we blitz, we have a chance to sack him, get him out of field goal range altogether, get a punt and so forth. Well, it didn't work. Well, and here's the thing that also is crazy. When when we're sitting here talking about this thing, those guys are are having that decision process going through their minds in how quickly it is between plays. All of those variations go through their minds while they're making the decision. So it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, yes, they've got a million coaches that are ha- helping them and aiding them in that, um, and there's a flow to it. But, yeah, it's not easy. Now, my one question for Spags would have not been, why did you blitz on three, third and 27? My question to Spags would be, after the first half that Chase had, why did you still single cover the guy for the second half? That would be my question. I think the answer to that is probably because they didn't feel defensively strong enough in the backfield. They've got some nagging injury problems back there. Uh, Matthew, for instance, is kind of hobbled in a way. He's still playing. Matthew is hobbled. Uh, uh, Sneed is hes kind of game by game the way he's been playing lately. So I'm afraid, I'm, I'm thinking they were afraid to really take any kind of chances on double double coverage because Burrow's a pretty good quarterback now. He can pick out some fallacies in how your pass defense is shaping up. So there are just so many variables involved. The bottom line is Jamar Chase got free. He had 11 catches for the day. And uh, that's that's if they play again, this is going to be a very big defensive challenge for Kansas City. It's but gonna that's be, if they play again. Uh, hopefully they learn from the mistakes the, the, uh, the last week. And if they do, if. They play, and there are so many different var- variables. Um, so we've got uh, the Chiefs really are in a m- must-win situation if they want to try and still hold on to control of their destiny throughout the playoffs. That still might not go in their favor, but they've got to win to at least have a chance. But there are some other teams in the AFC they're in win-now mode. Well, certainly there's no the, the Chiefs have no option to control and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Yes, they must win. A loss and a Tennessee, well, a, a loss just takes them out of it completely because it might end in a tie. Well, the Tennessee Titans break the tie in that case, and the same if both win. But the Chiefs winning the game at least gives them an option. Okay, that is certainly one of the games. That's as far as home field is concerned. As far as getting in the playoffs is is concerned, how about the Chargers and the Raiders playing in Las Vegas? That is a winner-take-all. The winner of that game gets in the playoffs. The loser does not. Having said that, the Raiders do have to have some good things happen to them, if that's the case. But nonetheless, 
They have to win. Chargers have to win. Chargers don't win. Hey, they're out of it. And that's interesting because they were a bona fide contender. In the beginning of the season. Yep. Uh, the Steelers and the Ravens are both re- there. Yes, mathematically, they can do some things, but they're really on life support, both of them. The other AFC contenders, and we're only talking about the AFC teams here, in positions to make the playoffs, well, they're, all the others are right. What's being decided now this weekend is where and who, and what mm-hmm. the Mets know who's going to be in there, with the exception of wild card number seven. Key right there, who is it going to be? Yeah, that's what it's come down to, and it's going to be another exciting weekend for sure of uh, football. is kind of like it was last weekend. <laughs> There's so many variables of what could happen. One thing that does give me a little pause is uh, old Henry's going back to Tennessee. So if we see them in the playoffs, that might be an interesting situation, Keep too. Keep in mind that Derrick Henry has been activated. I really doubt that he plays this weekend. No, there's no way he plays this weekend. The uh, game this weekend is Tennessee and Houston. And again, Tennessee, while well, they don't have to win, if they do lose and the Chiefs lose, it's still a tie. But a win would be much more uh, preferable. I think if the situation is really dicey, Henry is probably suited up and ready to go in, but I doubt very much that they play him. He just had surgery in November yeah. on his foot, and it's a foot injury, and they are tough to heal, but we'll see what happens. Yep, they will see what happens. Uh, you know, it's funny. Every time I get a notification on my phone sports-wise, I usually read it, but if it has anything to do with tennis, I just ignore it, and I, <laughs> I come in the next day, and I let Ned tell me. So what's to do with the Australia guy? This is absolutely wacko. He's the number one player in the world, defending champion Novak Djokovic. He has made it a point to tell the media that he has not been vaccinated. Well, in Australia, you are mandated to be vaccinated. Well, Novak Djokovic, some the Australian Open is the first of the tennis Grand Slams, and it's coming up later this month. It's a big deal, very big deal. Played down under, of course. Well, already some of the pros have bowed out. Of course, Roger Federer still injured. Uh, Rafael Nadal is having some knee problems. He's not going. But Djokovic showed up. Wouldn't let him in the country because he does not have a vaccination card. Said, wait a minute, I have, and the Australian Open officials did give him a medical leniency. Said, oh, we'll, we'll let you play. Hell, he's a defending champion and the world's number one player. The country, Prime Minister, said, absolutely not. He's not coming in. So Novak Djokovic is appealing now. He's in limbo. I suppose limbo is somewhere in Australia. I assume it is anyway. But be that as it may, does he play in the Aussie Open? Does he not play? Does the country, does politics win out? Oh, my goodness sake. The disease in the political arena already. Oh, my It's, world, it's worldwide. He's in a boat off the coast this just waiting is, to find out his fate. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Well, hey, it's same thing's kind of going on with the now the possibility of the Super Bowl getting moved because now the NFL is saying, hey, L.A., if you cap attendance on this thing, we'll take it down to Jerry's World down in uh, Dallas. That's what I've, I've been hearing rumblings about that, and that could happen. What do you think? It is possible, but I don't think so. I, and I, the reason I don't think so is, number one, the Omicron, if, if you take a look at the map, yeah, there, there's uh, there's an increase in cases, but it's mostly East Coast. There is some on the West Coast, a little bit, very little in Middle America, very little. Some, but very little. However, if you listen to the media, oh my God, it's exploding. Well, and it is uh, in in some respects. But do they move it from L.A.? 
Do you think our friend uh, who owns the Los Angeles Rams and that stadium is going to allow that to oh, happen? Oh, God. Talk about a showdown <laughs> between him. But, hey, you know what? Karma karma is a, is what she is, and that'd be great if he got smacked in the face for what he did to St. Louis, and I would not uh, feel bad for him at all. So the Bears were out on the road last night. Did they get the dub? They did. Hell got yeah. the W, but not without a few concerns. Bears played up in Peoria, Illinois at the Carver Arena last night against Bradley. Missouri State's a better team than Bradley. Player for player, better team, better offensive ball club, just just a better run basketball team than the Braves. Missouri State had an 18-point lead in this game. Squandered it. Oh, That's the concern about basketball for the Bears. Uh, In particular, they just seem to be inconsistent in their attack. Now, they're winning. That was their 11th win of the year. You can't deny that. But how did it happen? Well, they let go of an 18-point lead. Bradley has the lead, a 69-68 lead with about 20 seconds to go in the game. The Bears come down, miss a shot. Somehow, they're able to wrest the rebound away from a Bradley player and give it to Isaiah Mosley, who is the Bears' top scorer. He takes his, gets his position in three-point range with about, oh, a second to go in the game. Let's go with the three-pointer. The horn sounds while the ball's in the air. Well, it let go of his hand, so that, that's fine. Sails right through the net, three-pointer, literally at the buzzer. Bears win 71-69 to over Bradley, a team they had, they had them in the palm of their hands and let them get away, but... Bears won the game, and that's what counts. Yeah, but man, do you lose those games just as much as you win them? So they got lucky. You don't get that lucky all the time. They played at Illinois State in their very first conference game back in December, and same thing happened yep. up at Illinois State. They had the lead, let it get away, and lost it in overtime. Well, this time the Bears won, makes a difference. But how many times can you rely on three point shots at the buzzer to win? Lady Luck doesn't always show up. Uh, do you think it's a depth problem? I don't know. Because they kinda, know. you would think that uh, if they can get out and get that attack early they just need to it's a consistency problem more than anything else when they when they play their game hey there's nobody going to stop this team they have a very good offensive attack but their their level of offense and their focus on offense seems to dwindle sometimes as the games go on and the whole perspective seems to get away they're better than Bradley they'll run Bradley out of the ballpark down here when they play that's my prediction but over and above all that it's a W, and that's what counts. Absolutely. Um, you know, speaking of consistency, uh, we could probably say the same thing about the St. Louis Blues last night against the Penguins because it was all Blues through the first two periods of that game, and then all of a sudden here comes Pittsburgh, score three, win the game. Mike, that's exactly right. The Blues are a better team than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now they're playing in Pittsburgh last night, and you're right, the Blues got off. Heck, they were up 2-0 in that game. The way the Blues play on defense, you would have thought that's pretty good. But here come the Penguins back. And again, consistency in any level of athletics makes the big difference. Pittsburgh wins the game 5-3. Probably shouldn't have, but shouldn't. And what does happen are totally different animals. And the Blues lose one and let one get away from from what they were able to accomplish. And that would have been a win. So where are we at now, uh, standings-wise? It looks like the Blues in the Central Division are behind Nashville but uh, in the points, but not by much. So as far as the record goes, the Blues are still doing pretty good. We're season. only midway through yeah, the season. Yeah, we still got a long way to go. And, the, and while the Nashville Predators have a very good hockey team, uh, the Blues do too. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see major differences as we go through 
the latter part of January into February and March. And keep in mind now, the Stanley Cup doesn't start until April. Yeah, yeah, we've we've got we got a long way to go. But again, um, the Predators are in the lead with 21. But then the the concern isn't about the Predators; it's really about the Avalanche, the Wild, who are all tied with the Blues right now. So, like you like you said, a lot of things are going to change between now and April. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully, they can uh, build on uh, what they've had so far a pretty good season, in my opinion. Uh, Mizzou had a game last night, but it did get postponed it, when they're supposed to play again. They're play, they would have played Mississippi State last night in Columbia. The game was postponed 48 hours ago, so everybody knew that was the case. The COVID outbreak is on the Missouri team, but evidently it's going to be okay because their game Saturday, Saturday afternoon at the Mizzou Arena in Columbia, is still set to go. And who are they playing? About the 15th-ranked team in America, Alabama. Everybody associates Alabama with football. Hey, their basketball team is pretty doggone good. Probably headed for the NCAA tournament. And that's who Missouri will play. Mizzou has a loss to Kentucky to start the season, start the Southeastern Conference season. That's no big shame. But they do need to get a little bit more consistent in their attack. They're under 500 for the year at 6-7, and seven, and I know that doesn't sit well with Conzo at all. But he'll bring this team back. They're very young. Have a couple of Springfield kids playing mm-hmm. And they're, they're getting a lot of playing time, too. So we'll see just how things boil out. But playing Alabama on Saturday will be a major challenge. For It'll be a true test to see where they're at right now, especially for a young team. Ned, be safe on the streets. Watch out for the idiots. I'll see you tomorrow.